This is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, a look at current events from today's headlines and how they affect you, what you believe shapes your worldview and your ultimate destiny. Learn more now at educateforlife.com. Now in studio, here is your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. And every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. We're on every Saturday, 2 to 3 p.m. here in Southern California on KPraise, 12 10 a.m. And I have a guest today that I think you'll be interested in hearing from. She's a mom. Her name is Natasha Crane. She's married, has three kids. Uh, She has a marketing background, uh, and uh, she's a Christian parenting blogger. She has a blog at ChristianMomThoughts.com, and it's reached so far more than 200,000 people. And uh, she has an MBA in marketing and statistics and a BA in economics. And she also has an earned certificate in Christian apologetics from Biola University. And is also a part of the International Society for Women in Apologetics. And she recently wrote a book called Keeping Your Kids on God's Side, 40 Conversations to Help Them Build a Lasting Faith. And uh, Natasha, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to talk to you. Absolutely. You know, um, I wanted to ask you just, you know, hop right in here. The the statistics on kids leaving the faith right now are pretty uh, dramatic. Uh, somewhere, depending on the study you look at, seven to eight kids um, that are attending public schools are leaving their faith after after high school. Um, Christian kids that are going to a public school, seven to eight, somewhere around seven to eight, are leaving the Christian faith after high school. And, um, you know, have you heard that stat before? Yeah, and like you said, it just depends on the study. And yeah. Basically, if you look at the range of studies, it's anywhere from two-thirds of kids leaving the faith by the time they leave home all the way up to an 89 90% by some studies. So absolutely, I mean, no matter what study you look at, that's the general trend. Quantifying some exact number, of course, is impossible, but they all show that. that it's exactly right what you said. Yeah, okay. Now, you, you wrote this book, an amazing book here on um, apologetics, uh, from a mom's perspective, I, and you don't typically hear that perspective too often, but did you know a lot of, about apologetics before you wrote your book? Well, it's it's funny because I got into apologetics in a very accidental kind of way. It's not something that I was seeking out. So what happened was that about five years ago, I decided to start a Christian parenting blog. I just thought it would be something, you know, interesting to do. And I wanted to share ideas of what we were doing in our home to really raise our kids with a love for Jesus. And I wanted to get ideas from other bloggers. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a great idea. So I went ahead and I and I got the blog started, not thinking too much about it. And as my readership grew over time, people started sharing my posts. And so they would share with their friends online on Facebook and Twitter and social media. And that started bringing a whole bunch of people to my site who weren't Christians. And so I started getting a lot of skeptics and atheists coming to my blog posts and challenging everything that I was saying. It was the first time in my life that I had really been challenged in any way in terms of my faith. I had mm-hmm. lived a very safe Christian existence. So, so you grew up in a, did you grow up in a Christian home? 
Yes, I did. I grew up in a Christian home. And, you know, even though by the time that I left home, I would say that I was a pretty nominal Christian. It wasn't that I actually rejected the faith in some way. I just hadn't really made it my own yet. So by the time that I got a little bit older and we had kids, I realized I need to make this more serious. And that was mm-hmm. part of my decision to get involved with the blog. So by the time that people were coming and challenging me, I was hearing things that I had never even heard before or considered, like, there's no evidence that Jesus existed. Check it out for yourself. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, I, you know, I've never heard anything like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't know how to answer it. And more and more of these challenges started coming my way about, you know, why would you believe that a book filled with so many errors and contradictions could possibly be true? And evolution has proven that there is no God. And these things just kept coming. And so it set me off on this journey to read as much as I possibly could and get these answers because I realized I had my blog so that I could teach my kids more about their faith and raise them to love Jesus. But there was this whole area out there of apologetics that I had no idea about. And I could see that in the culture they're growing up in, it was going to be absolutely critical. So that's how I got started in it. And as I was learning and teaching myself and pursuing all of these books about apologetics and theology, then I started writing about it on my blog to teach other Christian parents and to help them understand. So the atheists would attack me on the blog and then I would write about it. Oh, that's very interesting. So kind of a, a trial by fire there for you. Exactly. So I, and I just and I started using that as an opportunity that God gave me to see firsthand the, the attacks that our kids will encounter that parents today don't necessarily encounter themselves so much. But the kids who are growing up and are really heavily using the Internet and are involved in social media, they are seeing these things. And mm-hmm. So I use my blog to try to open the eyes of Christian parents and say, hey, these are the kinds of things that your kids will be facing. And here's how we need to talk about them effectively. It's not enough to just tell your kids, hey, Christianity is true. They need to know why it's true so that they can withstand these kinds of challenges. Absolutely. Now, do you think that that's a change from uh, your generation, my generation to the to the generations of today as uh, they don't need to just know uh, what is true, but they know they need to know why it's true um, in your own home growing up in a Christian family. You know, you said you were not exposed to the uh, this apologetics. You hadn't made the faith your own. Um, do you feel that there's been a big change from from that previous generation to this generation? I do. I think that that things have slowly been changing, and I and I feel old saying this, but this internet, this yeah. internet thing, has really made a giant difference. And you know, it, it what has not changed since the Bible was written is First Peter three fifteen, where we are all called to be able to give a reason for the hope that is within us. Right. So it has always been something that Christians are called to do to understand why we believe, why there's good reason to believe, but. That looks different throughout history. There were certain times in history where there would be certain challenges that would surround people that they would have to be able to address. Mm -hmm. And those challenges and the nature of those challenges change over time. But we have always been called to be able to give a reason for why we believe. So today with the Internet, it's it's the, the atheists that are out there who are very vocal about their beliefs and lack of beliefs will put it out and they will be very vocal because they're hostile to Christianity. And so even though and a lot of parents kind of have a false sense of security about this, they say, well, you know, atheists is only like 5% of the population there aren't that many, but they are disproportionately represented by their voices online because they are so many of them are passionately opposed to Christianity and religion in general. So kids are much more likely to hear about atheism and the atheistic worldview today than they would have been even 10 years ago, or like you said, when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. So there have always been challenges that are out there, but those challenges are front and center today 
for kids at an earlier and earlier age. And because there are more and more atheists in America and other places in the world today, there are more and more atheist children also. So kids are hearing from other atheist kids at a much earlier age. And so atheism in particular is something that will challenge our kids in a way that it didn't even with our generation. Absolutely. Yeah, I I was amazed. I have a good friend um, whose uh, son was in school and came home and told his mom that it was not polite to talk about God in public. He told his mother that it was not polite to do that because the teacher, I guess he had brought up God in in the classroom. And this was uh, probably a third grader at a public school. And his teacher said, uh, we keep our religious views to ourselves. It's not polite to talk about God in the classroom. And uh, I was stunned. I, I just couldn't believe that somebody would say something like that. Uh, but yet, but yet that is the culture that we're living in that our, many of our kids are growing up in. Right, exactly. And if they don't have a good basis from their parents for understanding why Christianity is even worth defending or why it is worth speaking up about, why would they do so? If if we're just handing them a set of beliefs and saying, here's what to believe, but they don't have a passionate conviction that this is really true, truly true, not just true for them and other Mm -hmm. people have things that are true for them, but this is true, true for everyone, objectively true, then our kids aren't going to be able to stand up for their beliefs because they're not going to want to. So, you know, your example is such a great one because that is what kids everywhere are experiencing and much worse. In that case, the teacher is almost being polite by saying it's impolite, but there are teachers everywhere, other places that shut kids down completely, you know, and can tell them that's just, you know, that's just a myth and that's not something that, you know, we talk about in school. That's something you can talk about in your home. So it it runs the gamut. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here in San Diego, uh, there was just a huge lawsuit over a, uh, the school would not allow middle school would not allow kids to have a Bible club. And, uh, it was all over the news. It was a horrible situation. I actually went to the middle school, which is, uh, amazing. But anyway, we'll talk more about wow. that. Um, we're coming up on a break here. My guest today is Natasha Crane, and she is the author of keeping your kids on God's side, 40 conversations to help them build a lasting faith. Her website is christianmomthoughts.com. And she is out making a difference, um, speaking around uh, the country and um, also just a great book for a resource for you to start these conversations with your kids at a young age so that you can get them engaged and thinking about these issues that that are coming up as young as, you know, second, third, fourth grade um, and that that are going to carry all the way in through high school and college. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. You're listening to Educate for Life here with Kevin Conover. My guest is Natasha Crane. We'll be right back. What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. 
Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family owned, Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores, both right across the street at Main and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at Tucker'sValleyFurniture.com. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org, where you can listen to a recording of this show and previous shows. And uh, my guest today is Natasha Crane. Her website is ChristianMomThoughts.com. You can get all kinds of uh, ideas and insight into parenting, making sure that your kids grow up loving Jesus in a culture that is often very hostile to Christianity today. Uh, She recently wrote uh, a book called Keeping Your Kids on God's Side. And she's got uh, excellent uh, references here. If you know of Cold Case Christianity, uh, Jay Warner Wallace, he says, I consider keeping your kids on God's side to be an important eye-opening gateway book. Natasha has done a wonderful job of quickly introducing the important issues and evidences from the perspective of a parent. She's engaging, thoughtful, and she knows how to throw the ball so you can catch it. Let's let keeping your kids on God's side serve as an introduction to the most important work you will ever do as a parent. And I, I couldn't agree more. My entire ministry, um, is, you know, has this focus also of apologetics. That's what I'm all about too. Uh, I'm an apologetics teacher at a Christian high school and I, I see kids, Christian kids on a regular basis struggling with uh, the tough questions that come their way. Um, Natasha, I just recently had a student actually just um, yesterday, or the day before texting me, asking me the questions that you're bringing up. He, he was trying to help a friend and he said, uh, Mr. Conover, I, I need to answer this guy's questions. He just told me that um, the Bible was written by uh, uh, people during the King James version of the Bible basically was made up and twisted, changed the whole, they changed the whole text of the Bible and it's not reliable. You can't trust it anymore. And uh, these are the kind of issues you address in your book. Is that right? Right. There's, there, are actually, there are five sections in the book that have eight questions each. So when one section is on God, one is on truth and worldviews, one is Jesus, one is on the Bible, and one is on science. So the section on the Bible addresses specifically the questions about the New Testament. You know, how were the books chosen for the New Testament, for example? And it's interesting because growing up, you learn, especially if you grow up in a, in a Christian church, you learn the stories from the Bible. And, you know, you might know about Jonah and the whale and Daniel and the lion's den and mm-hmm. Joseph and his multicolored coat, but you don't, usually you don't learn anything about the Bible. <laughs> you yeah, know, you don't, you don't learn how it was those. put together. 
right? Exactly. And that's what's under attack today. Mm-hmm. You don't hear skeptics so much saying, you know, why would you believe that Daniel was rescued from the lion's den? You hear them saying the Bible's filled with errors and contradictions. The, the books of the Bible weren't picked until 300 years after Jesus by people who wanted the political power. Yeah. You hear people saying that there are all kinds of books left out of the Bible that would be equally valid views on Jesus. Or you hear people saying Jesus never existed at all, and all these books are legendary. So mm-hmm. it's so important that kids are not just learning what's in the Bible, but about the Bible and why there is reason to believe that we can actually trust this was based on reliable eyewitness testimony. Yeah, I mean, I in your part four conversations about the Bible you have here, how were the books in the Bible selected? Why were books left out of the Bible? How do we know we can trust the Bible's authors? How do we know the Bible we have today says what the authors originally wrote? I mean, these are these questions. And then you go on here. Does the Bible have errors and contradictions? Does the Bible support slavery? Does the Bible support rape? Does the Bible support human sacrifice? And these are uh, incredibly relevant questions. And um, and I, I mean, I've even seen billboards, uh, you know, up that, that talk about, oh, the Bible supports slavery and everything. That's a big one today. You hear you hear kids parroting this. Um, Mm -hmm. and are these all, these are things that were brought up to you, uh, through your website. A lot of these, uh, is that how that worked out? Right. So this, I learned about a lot of these topics through the comments that people were leaving. And as I would research them, I would be led to more questions like that. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to use the word parroting about how kids parrot each other. And that couldn't be more true. So, so much of the time kids hear something and if they are already sort of leaning toward not believing or they've already made that jump, they'll take anything that they hear and start repeating it. Yeah, it's amazing to me. It's as if it's fact uh, when they've never done any research on it. Exactly. And so, you know, one of the things that Christian parents should be doing is just teaching their kids, you know, don't accept everything you hear. Don't even accept everything I'm telling you. Don't Mm -hmm. believe just because I do. You know, truth stands on its own. Let me help you figure out how you can learn about the truth. And let me show you the evidence for the truth of Christianity. So if somebody's telling you, well, the Bible has been, you know, edited and re-edited and it's been translated all these times and all these problems, well, then let's like look at those claims and actually back into it and say, well, is, is this true? Instead of just, you know, seeing our kids parroting these beliefs, and that's the, that's the danger. But things like, um, you know, does the Bible support human sacrifice? These are questions most Christians, they're not asking. Yeah, because right? we're in, we're in yeah. church in our bubble, right? We're, we're hearing exactly. these. It, it's, not, it's not as if the, the pastor is asking us to consider these things or something exactly. in, the, in the service. And that's, and that's the problem. There's that gap, right? Because yeah. the skeptics are presenting kids in such forthright ways online, this kind of challenge, but it's something that Christians are not addressing. And most kids, you know, you can get all the way through hundreds of hours of church in your childhood without ever, ever hearing anything about slavery in the Bible. (laughs) And so when skeptics are asking these questions, they know, they know that the kids don't have the answers because Mm -hmm. they know that most Christians, even as adults, don't have the answers and they prey on that. So I would encourage anyone listening, if you're thinking about these issues, go to the website evilbible.com. This is a website that's devoted to showing how supposedly nasty the Bible is in terms of promoting evil and things like rape and human sacrifice and slavery. And they pull out all these passages word for word, but they're taking them out of context. And so there's no consideration of the history or the context or the theology, whether or not it's something that's describing an event or something that God is approving of, and they take it out, and this website 
is copied over and over and over. And people, skeptics, just take chunks of it and copy it and play it, post it onto blogs everywhere and share it on social media. And this is exactly the kind of thing that kids need to be able to encounter with confidence and just to be able to step back and say, okay, let's look at what this is really claiming without getting shaken by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll light a fire under somebody if uh, they go to that website. <laughs> they'll they'll, uh, they'll pick up your book really quick. And uh, really, I, I can't advocate this advocate this more. Um, I I see it all the time um, I, from my own life, my own experiences of having to deal with this kind of stuff on a regular basis. Along with the fact that um, I teach at a Christian school, and the Christian kids are struggling with these issues. I can't imagine what the struggle is like at a public school today where, uh, you know, a a young kid, he wants to tell somebody about Jesus. He wants to talk about his Christianity. But uh, as soon as he does, uh, he's attacked and shouted down through these arguments about the God, uh, that that the Bible promotes slavery, that you have no proof for God's existence. uh, And like you said, Jesus wasn't even a real person. Uh, It's astonishing that somebody can um, yell something so uh, ridiculous out but yet uh, the response is often silence. And that, that kid then, the next time he wants to go and share his faith, he's a lot more scared to do that because he can't answer those questions, right? Exactly. And there's a lot of shame involved there. And that's, that's really the tactic that I see a lot of times with the more hostile Internet atheists when they are sharing about um, their beliefs and their worldview is that there's a lot of uh, attempt to shame young people into feeling like you believe something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't you have not thought about this. This is not common sense. Use your brain, kids. This isn't common sense. You believe that, you know, God did X, Y and Z. You believe that a good God allows all of these horrible things in Africa to happen. You know, look at this starving child and they post pictures of a, you know, of a very sad looking child in Africa saying, you think that your God allows this to happen? And, you know, what they're referring to in that case would be the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. But anyone who has thought about their faith in some detail, in some depth, this is not a shocking thing. I mean, this is probably the biggest challenge to Christianity, right? So for a kid to come upon that and say, wow, there must not be a God, is very sad to me because it shows that they haven't even been introduced to sort of the basic theological issues that come along with Christianity. And that's just one part of the picture. But on the flip side of that, you have all these other areas of evidence that do point to God's existence, but most kids have never learned about that. Yeah. So all they see is this, you know, very challenging issue, the problem of evil, and it, it absolutely is a challenge. And, and pretty much every Christian would agree that that's a challenge. But you have this whole other part of the picture that points to God, and you have to look at it all together. But if kids aren't used to that, and they haven't been exposed to that, they're just going to see this this negativity and this downside, and they're going to say, well, you're right. I guess that a good God can exist. <laughs> this is something yeah. philosophers have written millions of pages about for hundreds of years, but, you know, a 16-year-old is coming across it and saying, oh, well, that must be true. And, and, that's, and that's really the danger of it, is that when they're just not prepared with any kind of depth in their faith, they're going to be led astray by the first argument that even it just pushes them over just pushes them over like a a leaf just getting blown over by the wind my guest today is natasha crane her website is christianmomthoughts.com i highly recommend her book keeping your kids on god's side and uh, we're going to be right back and continue this conversation talk more about what's in her book lots of good good strong answers to uh, very common questions that come up uh, for kids today in high school and beyond we'll be right back Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. 
Not all home inspections are created equal. Joe DeMars and his team at Housemaster have performed inspections in San Diego for 22 years plus and performed over 10,000 inspections for commercial, multiple family, apartments, and residential. Call before you buy or sell. You'll have confidence knowing the true condition of the property. Call 619-660-7866, sandiego.housemaster.com. Home inspections, done right, guaranteed. 619-660-7866. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. I'm giving it all away. No more hiding. No more stalling. I hear you calling me. And I'm calling. Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. And my website's educateforlife.org. I've got tons of classes on apologetics you can take there. You can take them with your um, son or daughter. And you can do them together. They have follow-along notes and articles and everything else. And uh, you can also get recordings of uh, shows like this show with Natasha Crane and uh, other shows, all kinds of apologetics issues. I just had uh, Steve Austin, not the wrestler, but the um, the geologist on last week. And uh, we had a very interesting discussion about geology all over the world and how it gives evidence for the truth of God's word uh, and, and all kinds of uh, shows. Just had uh, Douglas L. on the show counting to God uh, on how uh, mathematically God is a absolute reality. Uh, he is an MIT uh graduate and uh, used to be an atheist who became a Christian because math essentially led him to Christ. And so um, all kinds of great stuff uh, you can check out there. Uh, Natasha's website is ChristianMomThoughts.com. And Natasha, um, something I think is unique about your book that's really neat is that it's focused on developing conversations in kind of an organized way with uh, parents and children. I I think a lot of parents are, uh, it's difficult for them to approach these subjects, they don't feel they have the answers and they don't know how to bring it up in a way that's going to help them. Can you speak to that issue of, of kind of giving some parents some confidence in being able to, to lead their children in these discussions? Sure. You know, the, the easiest thing that any parent can do and the most important thing any parent can do to have these conversations is to intentionally set aside time to engage spiritually as a family each week. And that it sounds like a no brainer, but I always have to say it because so many people aren't doing it. The research shows that fewer than one in 10 Christian families are even studying the Bible together or praying together in a given week. And that says so much because if we're not actually taking the time to sit down to have these conversations, we can't rely on them to just sort of organically happen. Mm. And I think a lot of parents have this kind of a misconception about how much they can actually accomplish conversationally about the deeper issues of faith when they haven't actually set aside the time. They think, well, you know, we can talk over dinner or in the car on the way to school, and I like to just handle this when, you know, it comes up because it's just more natural that way. But the fact is, is that when I ask those same parents, well, you know, have you had fill-in-the-blank conversation or has this one come up? The answer is always no. So it takes intentionality. And Mm. I always tell people, you know, a good starting point is just 
set aside, if you're not doing anything right now, set aside 30 minutes one day a week. And you can always, you know, add on from there as your family is developing this. But if you just sit down 30 minutes a week and you focus on one topic each time, you will be amazed at how much you will engage with your kids and how much you will pique their interest when you're having these conversations. So the first thing to do is basically just set aside that time. But that said, it's not enough to just have the time. You have to intentionally use it in an effective way. And that's what I'm hoping that my book will really help people with yeah. is so that they don't just sit down and stare at each other and say, well, here's we're going <laughs> to yeah. learn about God now. Yeah. <laughs> and, because that's intimidating, right? It, you know, parents are like, well, what do I do? Do I just open the Bible and start reading? And so it's, it's a challenge. And, it, you know, it's, it's a question of where do you start? So with my book, my, um, my hope is that parents will have a guide to, number one, what are the important things I should be discussing? It's kind of like mm-hmm. a curriculum, if you will. You know, yeah. we don't just say, well, our kids are going to learn about history whenever they happen to ask a question about history or, you know, just based on their interest in history. No, we have a curriculum. We say, here are the things that are important to learn about. These are the things that you need to know. And it's the same thing with our kids' spiritual lives, even though most people don't approach it that way. We need to know what's important for them to know and then sit down to do it. Mm-hmm. So when you have a book like this, mine or there are other great books that are out there, you can sit down and actually have the conversations in front of you that will allow you to pick out the most important topics and then engage in that. And so, and then obviously the answers themselves are in my book as well at an introductory level. It's a starting point, right? Yeah. I was just talking about the problem of evil and I address that in my book in five or six pages, but millions of pages have been written about this. Mm -hmm. So it is going to be an introductory level, but it's a starting point for conversation that then encourages families to continue thinking about it and continue talking about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I feel like this is so important because these conversations just are not going to happen um, unless we initiate those conversations. And I look at the first question in your book, what evidence is there for God's existence? I mean, I know many adults who would be very intimidated by that question um, right. because of what, they've been exposed to in their own lives and the doubts they have and the fears they have. And so this is great because what it's going to do is it's going to not only give children an education on these issues, but it's going to give those parents an education on these issues. And to, to a, a real degree, what a lot of people out there need is a lay person's understanding of these issues. They don't need a college course. They're not going to go to Biola uh, as much right. as it would be great if everybody did, but they're just not going to do it. We're, we're busy. We're, uh, you know, making a living, trying to raise the kids, trying to keep our jobs and handle our finances and pay our taxes. And, and, uh, so at the same, so I, I really feel like your book is filling a kind of a vital gap there. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. And so, um, along with that, the, the fact that these, each of these questions kinds of, uh, follows a blueprint for, you know, covering all these different issues. Um, would you say that this is a, a an optional thing for, and I, I think I know your answer, but uh, <laughs> it's not really an option as far as if you want to raise Christian kids today, this is, you've got to do this. There's just really no way around it. Right. And I, and I think that the best way that I found to explain it to people who are just trying to think through these things mm-hmm. is, is the idea of specific preparation. We take this for granted in everything we do in our lives. So, for example, if you're going to the beach, 
you don't just generally throw everything in your garage into your car, right? You specifically prepare for going to the beach. You bring your sand toys, your swimsuit, your towels, and, and those kinds of things. But so many Christian parents today, they're just sort of doing the equivalent of throwing a bunch of general stuff into the trunk and hoping that some of it sticks with their kids and that their kids will grow up to love Jesus. But we don't treat anything else like that in our lives. We always specifically prepare for what we're going to do, and especially if it's something challenging. So we can think of our kids' spiritual development and their and their faith journey in the same way and say, you know what, there are specific things that they're going to encounter today. And when we know what those specific things are, we can prepare them to encounter them with confidence so that they can be can, and continue on their path of walking with Jesus. Yeah. And, and so many people just don't think of it that way. They just kind of feel like, well, I'm going to throw everything I've got at it. And that basically means taking my kids to church every Sunday. Yeah, exactly. And hope for the best. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of outsourcing. Yeah, exactly. A lot of, and a lot of parents are outsourcing. A lot of parents are outsourcing to youth groups or youth pastors. And a lot of the, there's, there's a lot of turnover in youth pastors. So what happens oftentimes is there's not a comprehensive flow or curriculum it's uh, more haphazard. And so you have these gigantic right. gaping holes in a kid's knowledge. Um, and so, you know, have you presented this book to your youth pastor and said, Hey, it's, to, you know, at your church and said, Hey, why don't you go through something like this or something? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And actually the, the youth pastor at my church, they're going to be using this as a series of conversations in the youth group for the next year. And I'm using it to, uh, to, to teach the parents. My kids go to a, a private Christian school locally. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to be teaching the parents there, but it's, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, these things, when, when you said that there are holes in what kids are learning, that is so, so true. And I think that happened to me as a kid, basically, you know, you get little bits and pieces everywhere that you go to your, you know, summer youth camp and you go to Mm -hmm. church on Sundays and, you know, you, you have exposure things, but if there's no one at home who is actively and intentionally putting those pieces together to build the overall picture for you, then you're just left holding a bunch of pieces and you don't know what to do with them. And when you leave home holding a bunch of pieces and a skeptic comes and runs into you, you're going to drop the pieces because they weren't together in the first place. That's absolutely, absolutely the truth. My guest today is Natasha Crane and uh, ChristianMomThoughts.com is her website. My website is EducateForLife.org. And uh, she is on a mission to get parents equipped to get their kids equipped. And uh, praise God, it's it's, uh, very much needed. Stay with us. We're going to continue this conversation. We'll be right back. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. There's got to be more than going back and forth. 
Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on uh, every single Saturday, 2 to 3 p.m. here in San Diego on KPraise, 12, 10 a.m. My website's educateforlife.org. You can listen to these shows all over the world. Uh, you can get recordings of them. They're on iTunes. They're podcasts. They're also on our YouTube channel, Educate for Life Video. Uh, dot com and uh, you can you can watch uh, me talking in the studio here. Natasha's actually not in studio in studio. She's up in Orange County, but but um, often I do have guests in studio, and uh, you can get a look at what we look like instead of just hearing our voices. Uh, but um, what we're talking about today is her book, Keeping Your Kids on God's Side, and uh, she's got uh, fantastic references here. Um, an endorsement, Sean McDowell, very famous uh, author and a son of Josh McDowell, also another very famous apologist. Uh, he says, keeping your kids on God's side is a timely and much needed book. Natasha provides a roadmap so parents feel equipped to have the critical and difficult faith conversations with their kids. If you want to see your kids have a vibrant faith, then get this book and start having these conversations with your kids today. And I honestly couldn't agree more. I feel that this is so necessary um, for w- what we're seeing in our culture, uh, statistically, the amount of kids that are walking away from the church and the difficulties that it, the, the difficulty it is in being a youth pastor. If you're a youth pastor out there listening to this, um, I would recommend you get the book and go through it in your youth group. It will provide a blueprint for you to get your kids, uh, those students equipped. Uh, so those kids that go to your youth group, you're, you're not later on counseling them on are trying to win them back to Christ after they've gone to college, but you're actually uh, seeing these kids get more involved in their Christian faith, uh, getting involved in ministry or sharing the gospel in their workplace, uh, just confident uh, Christianity. And that's what we need. So, um, Natasha, I wanted to also ask you uh, some other questions that, that pertain to this. What When you were going through your research, what was the... Uh, what what were some of the things you learned that for you were really, wow, this really has helped me in my own personal walk with God, uh, things that kind of were eye-openers for you? Is there anything that sticks out to you about what you learned along the way? Well, when I, fir- when I first started getting into apologetics and, and studying the questions that atheists were, were bringing to my blog, I think what challenged me personally the most were the questions about evolution, because that was something very outside of my knowledge base and experience. And I think that a lot of parents get intimidated by that subject, too, that I've talked to since then, mm-hmm. um, because growing up, it, we weren't talking about evolution yet, really, in my high school, at least. So I didn't hear anything about it then. When I went off to college, I studied economics. And then I got a master's degree in business and I never worked in a scientific field. So all of this was just really off my map. And these atheists would come to my blog and they would leave very, very long messages that, you know, clearly they're copying and pasting between the sites where they're leaving them. Um, But, you know, but I would take the time and I would read them because I wanted to know what they were saying and it was important. But they would give all of this scientific data and evidence and it was just piling and piling and piling. And I and I just thought, man, there's a lot of stuff here. So I actually went online to uh, what is actually a Christian website, but of Christians who believe in evolution. The- it's called Theistic Evolution. And uh, and I went and they had an online course about learning about evolution. I thought, okay, well, this is about the safest way I can learn about evolution. So I took the course. And over the course of one afternoon and reading about evolution and learning about the evidence for it, I literally was sitting in my bed, I pulled the covers over my head, and I could feel my face just slink away. 
I mean, this is after I had been very involved in, in leading the church's youth group. I had spent many, many years in church ever since I was a little kid. Mm. I mean, I, I, this was, I was a committed Christian. And it yeah. took one afternoon of going through some evolution classes online for me to say, oh, my gosh. What if it's true? What if God doesn't exist? This explains so much. Like, there's so much data here and so yeah. much evidence. So that, to me, really rocked me, and it's rocking tons of kids today, too. So for me, that was really a focus of my research for a while, was understanding evolution, the evidence for it, and the evidence against it, understanding all of the related issues. And when I set out to write my book, I knew that I wanted a section on the science issues that would help parents understand in a very basic sense what is at stake here and presenting it from an objective perspective because Christians do have different views on this. And so in the chapters that I present, I'm presenting both the scriptural and the scientific case for and against each of the views that Christians have so that parents can not have me in the way of that in my own views, but see, you know, here, here's what people are talking about. Here are the verses they're discussing. Here's the science they're discussing in a very accessible way, because that is very hard to find. And so it's important for me to kind of walk parents through that. That's great. Now, when you, um, when you, so what was the process of, um, you said you felt your faith slinking away. Um, so how did you recover from that, 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 you know, what the trauma there? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a great question because I really, by the time that I went to bed that night, I was just, I I felt miserable. It was hard to imagine what life would be like if God really wasn't there, but Mm -hmm. it seemed like there was so much evidence. So that's why then I started taking, you know, issue by issue that I had found and researching online to learn more about it. So, you know, if if I had a question about one particular fossil, for example, that was used in the, the class, that seems like, wow. You know, is this a transitional fossil that demonstrates macroevolution, the evolution yeah. between species? You know, what would someone on the other side of it say? And so it was kind of through that process of going back and forth and, and reading different sides that I was able to kind of process through this and work through it. Um, and, and really, you know, as my, my kids are pretty young right now, but as they get older, that's one of the most important things that I hope to be able to teach them in terms of their critical thinking is no matter who you're hearing something from, you should always be able to read the other viewpoint and compare the viewpoints to see, you know, what they each say rather than that one afternoon where I'm sitting on my bed going, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? Being able to look at it and say, okay, that's, that's interesting and that's pretty compelling. Well, let's see what someone else would say. Yeah. <laughs> and being able to just not be so panicked um, by something that you read like that. Because even as an adult in my 30s, that was something that rocked me and I wasn't prepared for it. So our kids need to be better able than I was, even as an adult, to hear things that contradict what they've been told, not panic about it, and just ask the questions. Well, who's writing this? What evidence are they speaking to? How can I go and find other people and see what they're saying? How do I compare the two and what they're saying? What does the Bible have to say about it? And that ultimately goes back to all the questions about, well, why should I even believe the Bible? All of this really does circle together, um, and, and it's important to be able to have all of those conversations. Yeah, and I like to tell my students that, look, it, um, when you face these things head on, um, you may feel like, oh, goodness, I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous. What if the answers I'm hoping for aren't there? But the reality is, is that uh, if, if the Bible is true, 
when we look for truth, we end up at the Bible. And so truth, yeah, truth and Christ are one, right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And if what he was telling us is true, then we have nothing to be afraid of by, by digging for the truth. Uh, the, the Bible is exactly. very clear. When you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And, um, I think people, I think Christians actually end up a lot more shallow if they don't take the time to look into these issues because they're, they're hoping it's true, but they're not knowing it's true. And exactly. how, how can you have a passionate conviction about uh, following Christ or sharing Christ with your neighbors if you aren't just overwhelmed with a conviction uh, and the knowledge that the Bible is actually the word of God and heaven and hell are real. And th- th- these are real issues that, that people need to know about and we need to be about God's business, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of people are scared. It's almost like if they they think that if they pull back the curtain too much, they're afraid of what they're going to see. So they just keep dragging their kids to church each week, hoping it's true and hoping their kids will think it's true because it'll somehow give them better values. And they don't think much more about why that matters. Yeah. And, and, and the problem with the values, and this is what I hear from so many Christian parents, is that their kids can grow up. And if they think Christianity is just about good values, they can easily grow up and say, well, wait a second, I could be an atheist and still have those same values. Exactly, I don't exactly. need the Christian faith. Yeah, so it's we, our goal to raise our kids with an understanding that the Christian faith is true, not just the values mm-hmm. that are an outcome of that belief. Yeah, I love it. My guest today is Natasha Crane. We're going to be right back. We have one more segment left, and uh, we'll, we'll end with a few uh, more interesting questions and some, some of the issues she addresses in her book, Keeping Your Kids on God's Side. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Main and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Welcome back to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and we are on K-Praise, 1210 a.m. here in San Diego, Southern California. We're on every single Saturday, 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific time, and uh, you can also stream it all over the world at kprz.com. Uh, you can also check us out on our YouTube channel, educateforlifevideo.com. And uh, you can get uh, podcasts and recordings on my website. My guest today is Natasha Crane. Her website is ChristianMomThoughts.com. And she accidentally stumbled into writing a book on apologetics called Keeping Your Kids on God's Side, 40 Conversations to Help Them Build a Lasting Faith. She was challenged on her blog um, about God's existence and all these other issues and decided she uh, was going to look into these hard questions that people were asking 
about, a, uh, you know, proof for God's existence and so forth. So uh, anyway, she did that and it turned out a fantastic book came out uh, from these, uh, I guess you could call them trials. And uh, anyway, Natasha, I wanted to ask you here on this last segment, um, do you think that where kids are educated as far as, you know, parent, apologetics is one part of this, this uh, issue of raising kids up to keep them on God's side. Um, we want a stable home. We want a loving home. We want a, uh, a home that has a commitment to uh, reading the word. And then apologetics uh, is a big part of that. Uh, do you do you have an opinion about where kids are schooled? Uh, your your kids go to a private Christian school, and uh, do you have an opinion about that? You know, I I think that it's impossible to be overly dogmatic about where every Christian should be sending their kids. And I've seen some people, you know, feeling very strongly about that one way or the other. Some people feel that, you know, kids should absolutely be homeschooled or that we should all be in public schools where we can be kind of salt and light. But at the end of the day, different kids have different needs and they're going to be impacted by things in different ways. And if we start thinking about the schooling choices as being the deciding factor in our kids' faith, then we're starting then to get rid of the accountability that falls on us as Christian parents for raising our kids to love Jesus. And I think that that is the most important thing is what are we doing to take that accountability in our home? And whether your kids are in homeschool, Christian private school or public school, you have to be doing that. And what exactly that looks like might depend on where they're going to school. For example, you might encounter a lot more challenges in a public school setting that will make you have to be on your toes even more so. Um, but even you know, at the other end of the spectrum where you have a little more control in a homeschooling setting, even then Christian parents need to be the ones who are saying, well, you might not hear these challenges regularly, but let me tell you about these challenges mm-hmm. I, because you need to be prepared to encounter them. And I want you to think deeply about your faith. So no matter where your kids are being schooled, it's important that you take the accountability and present to them the challenges, talk to them about the challenges, and build the case for the truth of Christianity with them. And my kids, yeah. just to give you an example, at, a, at being at a private Christian school, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, then the school's going to handle this, and, and, you know, you're going to be with a bunch of other Christians, and I'm not going to have to worry so much. But there are a lot of kids that go to private Christian schools who don't necessarily come from Christian families, or they might have one believing parent. So even last year, I have twins, and they were in kindergarten last year, and they had a girl in the other classroom tell them that she doesn't believe in God, she believes in science like her dad. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like what we were talking about earlier, you know, the parroting. Like, I'm sure that the kindergartner had no idea what that meant, but that's what she was hearing at home, and that's what gets repeated at school. So it, the, the point is never to feel like you should be putting your kids in an educational bubble, but rather to meet them where they are in their walk and to challenge them and encourage them in the home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I teach at a Christian school, and very, very often I have kids that are struggling in their faith or uh, you know, once in a while I have a kid who, who doesn't believe in in God or says they don't believe in God. Or like you said, I have parents uh, uh, where you have one parent that is a Christian, one parent that's not. And the for whatever reason, the, the child may have a better relationship with the parent who's not or or is looking right. up to that parent in particular at that point in time. And, you know, there are other issues, too. For, for example, um, uh, at a Christian school, sometimes the kids... Uh, they're so used to going to chapels every every week that they they almost become numb in a way to Christianity. Right. And that's also a very big danger when you have somebody who 
has become kind of cold hearted towards uh, the truth of God's word. And so like you're saying, the family at home is by far the most important and all the more reason that we should be having these discussions with our, with our children on a regular basis. Right. There's actually, uh, I don't know if you have ever read this book. It's called Revolutionary Parenting. It's based on the research of George Barna. Have you seen that before? I've read that book. Yeah, it's a great book. (laughs) So so it's an excellent book because we hear so much about the studies about all the kids who are leaving the faith and parents start feeling, you know, overwhelmed by that and and not sure what to do about it. But this book actually looked at the flip side of the question and said, well, what kind of commonalities can we find Mm -hmm. in the kids who don't leave the faith? (laughs) And so it is an eye-opening book and and I highly recommend that book because it basically speaks to the importance of what parents are doing in the home. And that's what they found, the, the commonalities between these kids who stayed strong in the faith. Their parents were reading the Bible with them. They were praying with them regularly. They were engaging in these conversations. And, you know, you kind of hear that and you go, well, yeah, that sounds like a no-brainer. But again, who's doing this? Very yeah. few parents based on the research. So, you know, they, they've done the research on both sides of this. And overwhelmingly, that, that's what they find is that the families that really engage together are the ones that have kids who go on to, to stay in the faith. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, again, uh, my, my guest today is Natasha Crane. And her book uh, is a book that really gets you or guides you in a discussion, discussions to have with your, your children. It's not something that's going to happen by accident. It's something we have to be deliberate about. And we have to intentionally make time for, and I, I don't even see how it's possible to do this without a book like this. I mean, um, I'm a Bible teacher and I, I have, um, put together my own curriculum because I had to pull from so many different resources because I felt that there wasn't a real good, um, curriculum that covered all the bases, kind of like what you were talking about before, Natasha, how you said, uh, we have all these pieces, but there's these gaping holes and I, I look at it like a, a, a the structure of a home or the, or, or the um, yeah, the structure of a home where you've got pieces missing and the home can't be held up because there's these big gaping holes. And so even if you have some of the answers, the problem is, is that the skeptics are going to address the issues that you don't have answers to. And so you, right. re- you really need a comprehensive look at this uh, subject matter. Is that what you found also? Absolutely. Whatever holes there are, the skeptics are going to grab hold of them and pull them wide. And they, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard this being a, an apologetics teacher, but they always say, you know, if you want to make a kid into an atheist, have them read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the, the, you know, the saddest truths almost is that, you know, have them read the Bible in the way an atheist would. Exactly. And so they'll dig at those holes knowing, well, kids have never heard about this story or that story. And they certainly haven't heard about the slavery and they haven't heard here about how God supposedly, you know, have laws about sex slavery. Yeah, or committed genocide, genocide in the Old Testament, these kinds of things, yeah. So they dig right into it because they know, and they know that kids aren't prepared. So even if you've laid some of the foundation, whatever holes are there, the atheists and skeptics who are very vocal about this will take them, and they will dive right into them intentionally knowing that kids aren't prepared. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it has been a real blessing having you on the show today, Natasha, and um, I'm going to continue to refer people to your book and uh, probably uh, pick it up myself. And just uh, I I love the simplicity of it and just how you go through systematically these 40 different questions. It's great. So I think I'll find it useful in my own home also. So um, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Her website is uh, can you tell us her website again? It's Christian Mom Thoughts. 
com. Okay. And, and you're blogging on like two to three times a month on there. They can, somebody can keep up with you and, and what you're thinking about. Yeah, usually about three or four times a month. So if you sign up for the email list, you don't get inundated with emails. It's just enough that keeps you thinking and get and keeps you continuing to have these conversations with your kids. That's great. Okay, well, um, folks, we'll be back next week, Saturday, 2 to 3 p.m. Hope you can tune in. We've got all kinds of interesting uh, guests coming up. And uh, my website is educateforlife.org. Please check it out. And Natasha's website is ChristianMomThoughts.com. Have a fantastic Saturday. God bless you. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Learn more about Kevin and his work online at his website, EducateForLife.com. That's EducateForLife.com. You'll find great resources, ideas, and even video classes there to help you grow and understand what in the world is happening. Encourage your friends to listen for great guests and intelligent analysis of the stories that shape our lives. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. your tired and bring your shame, bring your guilt and bring your pain, don't you know that's not your name, you will always be much more to me, and every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right, but that's all. 